0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Good morning, guys. How are we? Good. Good. We got a lot of work to do this morning, so uh, we're going to pray and we're going to dive right in. We got a lot of ground to cover. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are alive and you are working as we've, we've sung and we've talked about this morning. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us in your word. God, I pray that this morning you would help our hearts to be uh, pliable before you, God. That you would mold us and shape us with your word and transform us. Uh, We need you, God. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful for Jesus. And like it's been said over and over this morning, that that he did all the work already. uh, And that now we live in the the freedom of your grace. We praise you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if you guys are new here, I know I talked to a couple new people already. Um, this summer we've been working through a series called "The Mission of God," and we've been talking about what God's done uh, throughout Scripture, what God's done uh, in the world, and what He's continuing to do today. Um, and so it's been really good so far. We've looked at kind of the overview of Scripture. We've looked at the story of Jonah and how Jonah is kind of a representative of of God's people. And his heart is hard, and He doesn't doesn't want to to take the message of the, the good news of of God's grace and, and mercy to the Ninevites and God spends more time working on changing Jonah's heart than he does on saving the Ninevites. Uh, and so we saw just the challenge of Jonah to us as the church is how are we going to respond to the mission of God. Uh, now, the la- last week we started talking about our values here at Mercy Hill. And our, our values meaning the things that are near and dear to our hearts, the, the core part of our DNA. Um, and so last week Johnny talked about the first one, which is really foundational, uh, worship Christ. Now, in all that we do and all that we are, the goal is to worship Christ. It's to make much of Jesus. Uh, and, and so that's foundational. As we look at the next several values over these next few weeks, um, we'll always come back to that. It's ultimately, they're all about worshiping Christ in different uh, forms and fashions. So this morning, we're looking at value number two, which is live in community. Um, And just for you folks who like to read ahead, uh, you are the the nerdier kids in school like me, um, they're all on the website. So go ahead, get on there, um, check them out, read the kind of details and overview of what we mean by these different values, um, study, think through them, pray through them. Uh, We'll be covering them over the next month about before we start the story. Um, So this week we look at live in community. And like I said, we got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, And so we're we're going to be moving quick here. I hope you guys can stay with me. Uh, but what I really want to do is answer just a couple key questions. First, why is it important to live in community? Second, um, how do we live in community? And third, what does living in Christian community actually look like? Uh, if we can do those, answer those questions adequately, and if God can move on our hearts to, to give us a, a desire for this, to, to envision us for what this might look like at Mercy Hill, uh, this will be a successful morning. Uh, and, and so that 's the hope, uh, but there 's a couple things I want to say right off the bat um, first off it 's the way we phrase this value here at Mercy Hill is live in community, not live in a community um, and that may seem small, but it 's actually important because um, the way we word things, the way we talk about things really matters. Um, I think about it this way: I can live in my community, in my neighborhood. Uh, And I cannot know anybody. Matter of fact, I don't know many people. And that's something we've really been working on doing is getting to know our neighbors to make it more of a genuine community. Uh, But the goal the goal here is we talk about our values and what's near and dear to us. It's not live in a community. It's not, hey, just be a part of some some church and come show up on Sundays uh, like you can live in your neighborhood and not actually know anybody. No, it's, it's live life together. It's live in community. It's, it's, it's more of an, an ongoing, um, intentional, deep sort of thing. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Um, second, before we actually dive into the scriptures, uh, it's important for us to realize that the Bible says way, way more about living in community than we give it credit for. And, and here's what I mean by that. We know, like, the, the commands, the instructions, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, and uh, forgive one another as Christ forgave you, and all these things that, yeah, of course, you have to, you have to know people to, to be hurt and then have to forgive them, right? Um, there's all these commands that talk about community, but the reality is that when we consider God's word, this, this whole book virtually was written for a community, uh, to a community, about living in a community, uh, particularly the New Testament as we think about it. Um, the, the four Gospels were written to, to different communities to explain different aspects of who Jesus was and what he's accomplished. And then we look at the letters, and the majority of the letters in the New Testament are written to communities, to churches, saying, here is, here is the good news for your community, for you as a people. Um, and, and we tend, because of our culture, to individualize that. Um, God, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten Son uh, we, we take that for me. It's God, God loves me so much. But the reality is, John is writing to a community Amen. and he's saying, God God's love is for a, a community, a group of people. Uh, and, and so all throughout the New Testament, um, there's a couple exceptions like First and Second Timothy, Titus. They were written to individuals. But after the individual got the letter, they passed it around and it became a document to the community anyways to, to envision, to challenge, to encourage. And so... Scripture has a ton to say about community, an absolute ton. And so right off the bat here, I want to give us a challenge, um, some homework for this week. Uh, Don't look at me like that. I know it's summer break. Uh, I want to challenge each of us this week to read through the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in Ephesians. I want to challenge us to read through Ephesians and and at every paragraph, just to ask, what might this mean for for us as a community? Um, Taken in, in paragraph chunks, these four or five verses, these six or seven verses. What, what might this have to say about us as a community? Where might we need to change? What might we need to repent of or, or, or do better or work at? Um, let, let's work through these things. Because Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus. And so let's not just read it and say, oh, I've been saved by grace through faith, and, and it's not by works, it's, it's what God did. Let's say, no, Paul's writing to the church there. He's saying, you were saved by grace through faith. As a people, God has called you and brought you together and saved you. Um, and so let's not individualize it, but that's our challenge. Can, can we do that at six chapters, the book of Ephesians? Six chapters. Um, and, and so that can be one a day, that can be um, that can be six in one sitting, you could do that in an hour. Uh, but, but let's begin to look at Scripture in um, an appropriate light, really. Um, a lot of times we twist and distort Scripture when we individualize it or over-personalize it, because it's written, first and foremost, a lot of it to a community. And, and after we, we work through the communal uh, aspects of it, then we can say, okay, what does this mean for me? How do I need to change? Um, so all that was kind of prefaced before we really get started. Um, the first question I want to tackle for us this morning is, why is it important we live in community? Uh, and, and I think... When I ask that question, I probably know what most of us are thinking. And I probably know that because it's what my first thought. It's my gut reaction. We need to live in community because um, we need each other. Because, because I need you to, to grow in grace. I need you to be sanctified, to fight sin, to be encouraged, to keep running the race well. All these things. I need you, so I need to be in community. Um, and I've actually, I know I've stood up here before and actually said that to us. Um, I, I, I've preached that. We, you need to be in community because you won't survive on your own. Um, and that's true. But as, as I've worked through this this week, um, I think that, that's, that that sort of thinking actually could kill community if we're not careful. And, and here's what I mean by that. If, if I'm new to a community, say I'm new to a place like Mercy Hill, and I approach it with a mentality that says, I'm coming here because I need you to... Grow in God. I need you to battle my sin. I need you, so I'm encouraged. I'm making it all about me from the get go. It, it's all about what what the church, what the community can can give me, what you can provide for me. Um, and, and when we do that, we we miss it from the very beginning. And as we think about if we think about church like that, it explains a lot of why we see tons of people just hopping from one church to another nowadays. Why am I going to stay in a community where I might get hurt or where uh, where, where someone's wronged me? Why am I going to stay and work through sin and, and pain and forgiveness when I could just go to the church down the street and they can encourage me or they can help me? So, so having this sort of me-focused mentality towards community, it, the, there's things that are true. You do need community. You will not survive on your own in Christ if, if you're trying to be a lone ranger. Uh, those things are true, but if those are the ultimate reason why we, we give ourselves to, to a church or to a community, uh, we're, we've got things backwards. Um, so it, it's consumeristic, is what it is. its is. I'm coming here because it provides a certain good, a certain service. It makes me feel better. It encourages me. Uh, that is that is so not Christ. That is not the, the, the Lord that we worship. Jesus said, come and serve. Jesus came and served. Jesus said, you want to be great? Serve. You want to be be great, um, love other people. And so um, we got to examine our approach. Why is it important to live, to, live in community? Um, so you might ask then, all right, Larry, give me a real answer. Like, Why is it important to live in community? Uh, I could say a couple different things, really. Um, first off, we're all made in the image of God. We see that in the book of Genesis. Um, and to be made in the image of God is to be made for community. Um, we talk about the Trinity And it's a crazy, complex idea that we can't really grasp, but the the reality that God is three in one, um, Father, Son, and Spirit, um, three different distinct persons, but all one God. And and we can't quite grasp it, like I said, but the reality is that for all of eternity, God has been living in community with himself. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, Spirit, that they relate to each other in certain ways, that they love each other, the Spirit honors the Father and honors the Son, Um, The son obeys the father. So there's this crazy reality that God lives in community. And that just being made in God's image means we need community. Um, What was the first thing after God created the world in Genesis that he said wasn't good? There you go. Audience participation part, guys. Um, He said it's not good for man to be alone. And he wasn't just saying Adam needs a wife so that they can make babies and be fruitful and fill the earth. No, there's this reality that in in God, because we're made in God's image, we need community. We are made to relate to and to live with one another. So that's one reason why community is important. Another reason is community is important for mission. (laughs) Guys, we, we can't complete the mission of God. We can't take the gospel to all nations on our own. And it's actually easy if you think about it. If you're living an isolated life, you're you're not in community. I could stand here, and I could watch your life, and I probably wouldn't see God at work a whole lot. It's easy when you're on your own to kind of clean yourself up, to look good, to look nice. Your feathers don't get ruffled very often. But man, if I throw you in the middle of a community of messed up, sinful people, your feathers are going to get ruffled. I'm going to see you get angry. I'm going to see you get hurt. I'm going to see when you're wronged, how you reconcile with one another. I'm going to see... Uh, the sinfulness in your life come up to the surface. Anyone who, gets, who's been, anyone who is married cannot hear an amen, right? Like that's what happens when you get married is all of a sudden you're in really close proximity with someone and even if she's an angel, it, it draws all the sin out of you, right? All your selfishness comes up to the surface and, and that's the reality when we're living in close community with other people uh, as well, not just a spouse but a family or um, co-workers at work um, as, as you're working day in and day out. Uh, it's hard to maintain this cleaned up, I'm great sort of act when you're living life with other people. And so for mission, that means when I'm living life with other people, it, it, it gives those who are far from God a, a window into, um, it, it makes the gospel real to other people. When people can see, man, Larry just got really wronged, but he forgave that person. That's not normal. Uh, When people see the way I interact with my wife, I hope that they see the gospel at work changing me. Ten years from now, I hope it looks way different than it does now because God's done a whole lot of work in me. But unless I let people into my life, they're not going to see those things. So community is important because we're made in the image of God. It's important for mission. Um, And then kind of my third answer to that, and this is where we'll get into Ephesians. Uh, Flip to Ephesians 2 if you've got a Bible. Um, There should be some in the pews in front of you if you don't have one. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take one of those home. It's our gift to you. Um, Ephesians is about halfway through the New Testament, and we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Let me set the stage for us. In Ephesians 1, the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is, he's explaining the incredible truth of the gospel, the good news that... Um, in Jesus, we've been brought into God's family. We've found forgiveness from sin. We've been made right with God. We've been saved by grace. Uh, Jesus did all the work for us. It's not something we have to do. Uh, that God predestined us to adopt us. These just incredible, incredible gospel truths. Um, and, and then we're going to pick it up in chapter 2, verse 11. And, and what he's doing here, remember, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, which is a, a Gentile church. It's a bunch of non-Jewish people. In community, who, who've come together in Christ, just like us, um, and he's writing about um, how, for centuries and centuries, everyone thought that the Jews, the Israelites, were God's special people, but how in Jesus that that's been blown out of the water. In Jesus, it's been revealed that God's purpose and plan is to draw together a people from all peoples, to to make one big family from all nations. So that the Gentiles are included in God's plan, that you don't have to be um, biologically Jewish, you don't have to live life um, like a a Jewish person would in order to be accepted by God. Um, God's plan is is for the world, not just for uh, one particular people group. Uh, And so that's where we pick it up here in verse 11. Uh, Let's read a couple verses Ephesians 2.11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. Pause there. If you're new to, newer to the New Testament, um, the Jews were circumcised as, as part, an outward symbol of being God's people, that they were part of the covenant people. The Gentiles were not. And so that's where all that language comes from. He's saying, you Gentiles who were called the uncircumcision, you weren't circumcised, you were outside of God's favor. Um, He says in verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, that's God's people, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. If I'm a Gentile here and Paul pauses, I'm like, man, that's not good. Right? Like... There's not a lot of hope in that. He says you're without hope in the world. At that time, you had no hope. You were were lost. But then he picks it up in verse 13. He says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So here's what I'm trying to get at as we talk about why community is important, and as we look at Ephesians 2 and what Paul's saying to the Gentiles, Paul writes, he says, you have been brought near. Past tense. It's, it's been accomplished. Once you were this way, but now in Christ you're, you're different. Things have changed. It's a new story. It's a done deal. What, what this means, he's saying it's done. It's accomplished. So when we, when we think about us today, life and community is important for us. Because it's it's been done. We are part of God's people, if that makes sense. We, God has already accomplished it. The moment we come to Christ, we're grafted into God's family. We're adopted into the family. And so to pretend like we're not part of that family, it kills us. And it kills the family. It, it dishonors God. It, it, it dishonors what Christ has done to say, I, I, I'm not going to embrace this aspect of redemption. So, so when God saves us, he saves us for community. He saves us to be part of the family of God. Think about it this way. This example might help. Um, we've got some parents of teenagers here. All of us were teenagers once upon a time, uh, well, except for the youngins. Um, but a lot of times teenagers go through this stage where they don't want to be a part of the family. Right? Like they want to do their own thing, like it's cool, mom and dad, you guys stay over there, you're embarrassing me. I'm just gonna be cool and do my own thing with my buddies. And you don't want to be part of the family. And and what happens as that stage goes on is it hardens the teenager's heart towards the family. Um it, it, it just causes this massive split between the, the kid and the family. It also just destroys the family. It it sucks people dry as you have this this family member who you, you love, who is meant to be doing life with you and engaging in the family, just cut you off. Just give you the stiff arm and say, sorry, I don't want it. It, it kills the family as well. Th- that's what I'm talking about here as we consider Christ. is In Jesus, we're, we're made part of the family of God. And so when we give the family of God a stiff arm and say, I don't need you. I don't want you. I'm good on my own. I got this. It, it kills us, it, it withers our soul, it'll starve us the longer that goes on, and it'll harden our heart, um, and it also kills the family. It, when, when we have people, when you have individuals who think, I'm good, I don't need you, it kills the family and it dishonors Jesus ultimately, because Jesus saved us to be part of community. So, so there's a few reasons why community is so important for us. Um, there's a couple incredible truths here too we see in Ephesians 2 related to how we live life in community. Because it's easy to say you need community, but to say this is how you can actually do it without screwing the whole thing up, that's a lot harder. And so we're going to look at a couple other key points here in Ephesians 2. Um, Verse 13, let's read it again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. First thing, how do we live in community? In Christ Jesus. Paul says, it's in Christ Jesus that you who are far off have been brought near. It's only in and through Jesus that community, Christian community, has any hope at all. has any chance. Christ is the one who has brought us together through his saving work on the cross, through his death and his resurrection. It's only in Christ Jesus that Christian community can exist. I'd actually put it this way, too. We need each other because of Jesus. Okay, Jesus. We need each other because of Jesus. Here's what I mean by that: the gospel, like when I'm far from Christ, I, I don't know Christ. My heart is hard. Uh, my eyes are blind. I think I'm okay. Um, the gospel comes to me outside of me. Someone brings the gospel to me and says, "You are you're lost in your sins. You're dead in your sins." and you don't even know it. The, the gospel truth comes to me outside of me, me and it says, Larry, you're guilty, and, and you need to be saved. And, and through the gospel coming to me, my eyes are open. God brings our dead hearts to life. He, he gives us new life so that we can respond, we can turn to Jesus, we find new life. Um, and at the, in, in the same way, um, when I, so when I don't feel guilty, the gospel comes to me and says, you actually are guilty, whether you feel it or not. The same way, once I'm in Christ, a lot of times I don't feel righteous, you know? I don't feel like I, I'm doing well. I'm so aware of my sin that remains. I'm so aware of my selfishness and uh, my, my tendency to make everything about me and uh, my pride. And so I don't feel righteous. And the gospel comes to me from outside of me, from, from a brother or a sister bringing the gospel to me. And it says, Larry, even if you don't feel it right now, you're righteous because of Jesus. So, so the gospel word comes to us from outside of us to ourselves. And the way God set this up is that that happens through a brother or a sister in Christ. The, the, the good news of Jesus comes to us from the mouths of other people. And some of you right now might be like, uh, but dude, I got it right here. Like, I can read it myself. I'm good. Um, yeah, and, and if, if that's your attitude, you can probably ignore it yourself just as easily. I know for me, it's, it's so easy to read God's Word and then to walk away and completely forget about it. it it's so easy. It's, it, it's just sad. So, how do we live in community? It only happens in Christ. We need each other because of Christ. And, and here's kind of where this gets a little, bit more, a little bit more personal to us, is a lot of times, Jesus doesn't feel real strong in my heart. Right? Like when I'm struggling with sin, when I'm going through a hard time in life, when, when I've lost a loved one or, or I've been waiting a long time for something I, I, I really want, Jesus doesn't seem really near and dear. Jesus doesn't seem really strong at that point. I'm having a hard time trusting God in situations like that. But in my brother's heart, or in my sister's heart, Jesus might be a lot stronger at that moment. Jesus might feel a lot closer to them right now. Their faith might be a lot more strong and vibrant right now. And so I need my brother or my sister to come to me and to literally bring Jesus to me through through God's word, through what they say to me. I need them to strengthen Jesus in my heart because God is because He feels weak right now. Does that make sense? I, I know that's kind of heady, but, but the reality is a lot of times I'm struggling and and I, I can try and fight it on my own, but odds are I'm going to keep struggling and, and, and not see much. But when someone comes to me, uh, let me let's get personal here, actually. Um, this is my wife, Mindy. She's awesome. Uh, Mindy has a lot of issues. I have a lot of issues. <laughs> so oftentimes, there, there's days or weeks or months where one of us is struggling with a particular issue. Maybe it, it's fear of something. Maybe it's, it's being afraid because of a new circumstance or situation that might be coming. We're both really like critical thinkers, and so we tend to freak out about things that probably are never going to happen. Uh, but when I'm struggling like that, and I'm finding it hard to believe that God is good, and Mindy comes to me and says, Larry, look at Jesus. Consider the fact that when you were dead in your sin and you wanted nothing to do with God, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Look at, look at and consider the love of God for you. Look at how God has been faithful for thousands and thousands of years to his people. Consider those things and be encouraged. Like you can trust God. God is trustworthy. God's word comes to me through my wife in those situations, and Christ in my heart is strengthened. Right? I, I, I'm built up. I'm encouraged. So we need each other because of Jesus Christ. Community exists only in Jesus Christ. Another part in Ephesians 2, uh, community exists only through Jesus Christ. And this is key for us to get here because we're a messed up bunch. Uh, Ephesians 2.13, the second half of it says, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14 starts, he himself is our peace. And so, great idea here, guys. I'm going to pitch you this uh, idea for a TV show. Let's take a bunch of messed up people and throw them in a house and have them live together. It's been done, right? right? Real world, reality television, pretty much any reality TV show, it's been done. And what happens is chaos. Um, all sorts of mess and hurt and backbiting and gossip and just chaos ensues when you throw messed up people together. What are we going to do? Because I know some of you pretty well and you're messed up. And I know my heart really well, and i messed up. And so, man, do we have a shot. We do, because community exists through Jesus, and we have been brought together by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. What that means is that maybe ten years ago, or whenever you came to know Christ, if I throw you in a house together before that, good luck, I'm leaving. Um, But in Christ, we even sang it this morning, we are new creations in Christ. We have been brought together by the blood of Christ. And and in Christ, we have been freed from sin's power, which means I don't have to give in to every every selfish desire in my heart. My my, my needs, my wants, they no longer dictate who I am or the actions that I take, right? It, It means that all of a sudden, the shame that I used to walk under, the shame that made me close up to other people, the shame that when, when someone accidentally poked me and I felt ashamed and I lashed out at them, that doesn't dictate who I am anymore because that shame has gone in Christ. That guilt is gone in Christ. And so now in Christ Jesus, because we've been brought together by the blood of Jesus, community can exist. And, and the way this works out is that there's still sin that remains in my heart and in your heart. And so we're going to have those instances where I'm struggling with guilt or shame and you'll say something that makes me feel guilty and so I might lash out at you or, or where I might wrong you in some way. But in Christ, we've, we, we've learned what it means to, to confess our sins and to find forgiveness. Look at it this way. Ephesians 4.32 says this. It's a couple page or two forward. Um, Ephesians 4.32 really highlights this, this reality of how we live life Together in Christian community, it says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you." So this principle is this: the motivation for for life and community is in Christ. It, that's why I want to live life with you guys, because of Christ. But the ability is found in Christ. God's been merciful to me in Jesus, so I can be merciful to you. God's forgiven me in Jesus so I can forgive you. God has loved me when I've been hateful towards Him and when I've lashed out towards Him, so when you're that way towards me, I can do that. It's not easy, but, but I've got an ability to do that now in Jesus Christ. So let me be real with you guys just for a moment. My only hope to live with you guys and to love you for the next year or five years or ten years, my only hope is Jesus. Right? Like, I love you guys, but man, if it was in me, we don't got a shot. There's no hope. My only hope is in Jesus, because in my head, you're easy to love. In reality, you're not so easy to love. Right? Like, isn't that a common, common thing? It's easy to love people when they're far off, or it's easy to, to think about uh, Christian community and love the idea. And that's something I've had to repent of, actually, this week, as I've been studying and preparing for this. I find it really easy to love the idea of Christian community. Like, I look at, we've probably all done this, if you've read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, where it describes the the New Testament church right after it's born. They're sharing life together. They're they're not even waiting until someone's in need. They're going and selling their homes, selling their land, so that if a need arises, I've got money I can give you. Like, I, I read that, and I'm like, man, I love that. Man, I want that and then I come and hang out here with all you guys, and I'm like, ooh, this is hard. Right? Like, It's easy to love the idea of Christian community. It's not so easy to love the people God's actually placed us among because we're broken and we're messed up, and it's hard. So I've had to repent of this, and, and, and maybe that's something we, more of us need to do. Maybe that's something each of us are like, yeah, I love the idea. But I find it hard, so I do keep people at a distance i I don't open up i I keep you far because people are messy and so So consider that so one last thing on this note here in ephesians two uh, since Christian community exists in Jesus and through Jesus it's Jesus that's always the common ground okay and, and what this means is this: it means my my brotherhood with you my My being a family... How do I say this? Me being united to you, it's not based on... uh, Sorry, I had a nice alliteration here. Uh, It's not based on our past, it's not based on our pursuits, and it's not based on our piety. Let me unpack that. It's my brotherhood with you, my love and connection to you. It's not based on our past. It's not based on the fact that we grew up together, we've known each other for 20 years, or... We've got all these inside jokes whatnot. It's not based on our pursuits. It's not based on what we do now. I'm not, I don't love you guys and live life with you guys because we like the same exact things, because we're pursuing the same exact hobbies and we're similar in every way. And it's certainly not based on some insane idea of personal piety or holiness. My brotherhood with you is not based on you maintaining a certain level of holiness in your head that oh, if you cross that line, sorry, dude, it's over. My brotherhood is based in Jesus Christ with each one of you. And, and that's the same for all of us. Is it's, it's Christ that's the common ground. So if, if you're looking for a bunch of friends who like the same things as you, go do that thing somewhere and you'll find those people. Right? If, if you're looking for someone who is exactly like you, I'm not coming to a church. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, the community center to go play basketball because I like basketball and that's where all the basketballers are, right? Or I'm going to, I'm kind of nerdy. I'm going to go to a book club or something because I like books and discussing books, things like that. I'm not going to come to a church in the hopes that, oh, I'll find people who are just like me and we can be best friends and we can lay down in green grassy meadows and look at the sky, like all that romanticized ridiculousness. That's not what unites us. It's Christ that unites us. We love each other because of Christ. We can love each other because of Christ. A place that this actually becomes real practical to me is, who's traveled here? Like, who's been out of the country? Quite uh, Quite a few of us. Who has met a Christian from a different country, different culture? It's about half of us. I found, even just this past week, if... If I meet someone who knows Jesus, I immediately have a bond and a connection with them. Friday, I got coffee with a dude from Taiwan who's been in the States for about 20 years. And immediately, we sat down and started talking. And I started sharing about how messed up I was and how the grace of God met me. And he started sharing about how he came to Christ. And and we just started dreaming and talking and discussing. And it was this instant connection because we're united in Christ, even though he's from 8,000 miles away. On the surface, or in what we pursue, what we like doing, there's a ton of differences. A ton of them. But because we're united in Christ, there's this instant brotherhood. There's this connection. Uh, And so that's the reality here too. It's harder uh, when we're living life together to remember that. But Christ is what unites us here. Last question for us. What does Christian community look like? So we've talked about why it's important. Um, we, we talked about being made in the image of God. We talked about how it's important for a mission. It's important because um, God's placed us in a community. And so to ignore that and to live outside of that, like it's, it's to live a lie, and it will suck us dry, and it will kill the community. Uh, how do we live in community? Jesus, man. It's, it's Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's through Jesus. He's our only hope for this. Last question, what does Christian community look like? And we're not actually going to spend a ton of time on this, because it can look... A million different ways, depending on where where you 're at, what culture you 're in, what you 're doing, what stage of life you 're in, uh, how much free time you have, how busy you are, um, Christian community can look a million different ways. So what I want to do for us here as we begin to close is is just highlight a couple of markers of genuine Christian community that have been constant for the last two thousand years. so you look at the church in the New Testament, you look at church history. You look at church today, wherever there's this genuine Christian community, Christians living life together, there's a few things that mark it. And this isn't a a comprehensive list. There might be things to add to this. uh, But these are a few key things that I think for us, uh, we we can begin to dialogue about and examine our lives and our community for. So the first is this. uh, It's prayer. Ephesians 6.18, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Uh, It says, pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Meaning, stay focused in your prayers. Don't quit. Don't give up in praying. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints. And pray also for me. That word supplication, we don't use ever. I've never used that word. What it means is this. You could throw a million different synonyms in there. It means implore, appeal, plead, beg, and on and on and on. Things like that. And so Paul's saying here, to the church, to the community, he's saying, plead with God for the saints. Implore God on behalf of your brothers and sisters. Beg, get on your knees and cry out to the Lord for your brothers and sisters. There's one pastor who said this. He said, a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or else it collapses. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another. Now, the question, question for us, a heart-searching question, I hope, is how often do we actually pray for one another? Um, and, and not just, not like here on a Sunday morning, not in our life share groups when we're all gathered together and everyone expects it, but day in and day out, How often are you praying for the brothers and sisters God's placed you with? Are are you persistent, persevering in prayer like Paul says here? Are you imploring God on their behalf? When you have a brother who's hurt, who's in need, are you crying out to God? Are you feeling what they feel? Are you just begging God to move on their behalf? I know that for me this was really convicting this week because I'm weak in prayer, and the Lord made that really clear to me i don 't pray for you guys as I should, and so I need your forgiveness in that and that 's an area I need to grow in and I think as a community, maybe it 's an area that many of us need to grow in one one helpful suggestion I found this week we don 't actually have a phone book, but we do have we 're working on a, a cool app because we 're high tech like that. Uh, we do have uh, an Excel spreadsheet that has a pretty up to date list of every member, regular attendee of Mercy Hill. Um, I think what I need to do for me to, to, to grow in this area is to get that list and to day by day begin praying for people th- over and over through that list. I need something because a lot of times my weeks are busy and I don't remember everyone's faces. I forget people's names. I, I forget what's going on in people's lives. And so I need something like that, tangible to help me to remember to pray for my brothers and sisters. Because our, our, our fellowship, our, our closeness, our communities, it, it so depends on that. If you have a hard time getting along with someone in the community God's placed you in, start praying for them. And, and pray for them week after week after week, and I guarantee you the Lord will change your heart towards them. Even if you never, you don't start to like the same things, you don't even spend a ton of quality time together. I guarantee you, God will soften your heart so that you begin to care for that individual. So, first marker is prayer. Second, uh, I couldn't decide what to call this, so we're going to call it bearing. Uh, B e a r i n g, bearing, and I get that word from Ephesians four two. Uh, in Ephesians four two, Paul says this. He, he he starts it out the verse before saying, "Walk in a manner worthy of your calling," and then in verse two he says. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. How many of you guys know that when you're living in close proximity with a bunch of people, the more you live life together, the more things you realize you're just going to have to grin and bear, right? Like, more things come to the surface where it's like, oh, okay, like, that's annoying. That ain't cool. But there's a lot of things like that that aren't necessarily sinful, that are just reflections of people's personalities, uh, the way God's wired us, the way God's created us. Um, I know there's some folks here who are really artsy. Like, that's awesome. God bless you. I'm not artsy. And so sometimes I don't get what you're talking about. And, and I just, yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, and, and that's not being, like, I, I say that in, in jest, but and it's not like just joking around or, or deceiving each other, like, hey, I care for you and I don't. It's, it's the reality of bearing with one another sometimes means we confront the sinful aspects and, and habits and patterns we see in each other's lives. The things that aren't sinful, but that we don't necessarily love, we don't necessarily click with, uh, we grin and bear it sometimes. We, we say, my brother's different than me, but I love him, and God put me with him, so I'm going to live life with him. Um, there's things like that. But there's actually another uh, biblical aspect of this bearing with one another, and it's from Galatians. Uh, Galatians 6.2 says this, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That means carry one another's burdens. Take, take care of each other. Embrace one another's struggles. Embrace one another's hardships. Take them on on your own. Um, Just some tangible examples of this. This means physically, we bear one another's burdens. So this means if there's someone here who's struggling to buy food for their family, it's not their problem. As much as our culture might say, your money's your own, do what you want with it. If there's someone here who can't feed their family, it's not their problem, it's our problem. Because we're we're a family, we're a community. If there's someone here who who needs a washer, because their washer's gone out, it's not on them to find the money and to, to save and to uh, you know, keep a proper budget and all this stuff so they can get a washer. It's on us. If there's a need, it's on us because we're their family. We don't leave people out to dry. This means mentally, if someone's battling depression, if someone's fighting some sort of addiction, it's not on them to sort their act out. It's on us because we're a family. And family fights for each other. Family helps each other. And and this means too, spiritually, when someone's struggling, when someone's having a hard time believing God is good, when someone's really struggling to trust God in a particular area, or when someone is uh, having a hard time getting along with their wife or whatever, it's not their problem, it's our problem. Together we need to address those things, work through those things, sort through those things. We, We bear one another's burdens. And when we think about the good news of Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus did. He, he left heaven, no burdens, perfect heaven, no sin, everything you could ever want. He left it and he came to this messed up world to bear our burdens, to carry them up a hill, to be nailed to a cross on our behalf. That's what Christ did. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's what it means to be part of a Christian community, to bear one another's burdens. That's, that's how we live the gospel out. So prayer, bearing, proclaiming. Um, And this is all over Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 4.15 Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Christ. Ephesians 4.25 Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. 29 Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for, for building one another up, that it may give grace to those who hear. It's all throughout Ephesians and all throughout the New Testament is this reality that to be part of a Christian community means you're bringing God's word to one another. And we, we touched on this earlier. We, we touched on this. This is really the goal of Christian community is that we're, we're pointing each other to Jesus. We are reminding each other of Christ. We're speaking the gospel to each other over and over and over. Whatever the circumstance is, whatever the situation is, we're pointing each other to God. So, proclaiming. Lastly, and, and we'll close out here, uh, prayer, bearing, proclaiming, confessing. Uh, in this, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Yes, but I think this idea of confessing is where, uh, where the rubber hits the road. This is really the, the test of genuine Christian community is how often are we regularly confessing sin to one another? Do we do that at all? And, and this is the test of Christian community because in order to confess my sin to you, I have to bear my soul. Like I'm choosing to step out of darkness into light and to expose my, my darkest, deepest secrets to you. If, if we are unable to do that, it reveals an, an issue within our community. There's a lack of trust. There's a lack of trust that we will minister the gospel to one another. That I won't be judged. I will be forgiven. That I will be won't be hated or cast out. I will be helped and I will be encouraged. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. There's one pastor who I, I've been listening to some of his sermons recently, and he says this. He says, "True freedom is having no secrets." True freedom is having no secrets. And I, I think about that, and the more and more I think about it, I think he's right. Like, to have no secrets at all, man, what freedom that is. To, to be absolutely, totally, this is who I am. Like to, to air it all out there, that's freedom. To air it all out like that and to then be loved and accepted and cared for and welcomed in, that's community. Like, that is real community where I don't have to put on a face, where I don't have to, to make myself up, make myself out to be more than I am. That's community. And so, that's a, a, just a couple markers, guys. Like I said, we're not going to spend time, we're not going to get too detailed here. These are markers of genuine Christian community. And so, for, the question is for us moving forward are we going to uh, dialogue about these things? Like, are these present in our community? Uh, We we need to have conversations. We need to talk about these things and pray through these things and figure out where we're weak, where these things should be and they're not. Um, Figure out if there's more things we need to add to this list. But it's a conversation we've got to have over the months to come because I can't stand up here and say, all right, this is how you have community. This is what we're going to do. Get on board or leave. Like, you can't do that. Um, The reality is when you're talking about community, a little bit of it will be structured and planned, things like a Sunday morning or things like a life share group um, where you're regularly meeting together. But the bulk of community life happens unstructured, unplanned, living life together, hanging out at each other's houses, popping out for lunch or a cup of coffee, babysitting each other's kids. That's where community life happens. And so this, like, I can't stand up here and say this is what you have to do. This is something we all have to talk about and examine our own lives and discuss with each other to say, hey, how can we grow into a better, more Christ-honoring community? And, and so that's where I want to leave us. Um, I'm going to pray and then we'll take communion. Uh, but, but we've got to make space for this, for, for God's glory, for, for our good and our growth, and, and for, for the mission, to see the gospel reach people in our area and, and to all nations. If we're not a healthy God-honoring Christian community, um, all those things are going to be affected. And so let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, as we've said. Thank You for how You talk to us, how You've revealed Yourself to us. Um, God, thank You that You don't leave us in uh, doubt or with questions about our status before You. Uh, Lord, thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the way He has made us new and forgiven our sins and borne our burdens. Without Jesus, we'd be nothing, Lord. We would be uh, without hope in the world. And so, God, we thank You. We're so grateful for Christ and for what He's done, what He's accomplished, and what He's doing. We're thankful that we don't come to Jesus in one time and then we're we're on our own, but that Jesus continues to work in us through Your Holy Spirit. God, we're thankful for the community You've given us, for the the people You've placed us in, for the, the men and women and boys and girls in this room. God, I pray that You would teach us how to love one another. Teach us how to speak the truth to one another. God, cause us to pray for one another. Help us to to be transparent and to confess sin to one another. To be real and honest and genuine. Oh God, we want our community, we want our family here to honor You and how we live life together. And so we pray that over the, the days and weeks to come that Uh, you would put your finger on areas in our lives that need to change and in areas in our community that need to change. God, we pray for creative ideas of how to be a better Christian community, how to better care for one another, and how to better reach the world around us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.